0: With just three weeks left until finals, it's still all up for grabs. Top four spots, top eight spots, nothing is locked in yet. And while some sides have apparently checked out, many others are still within a chance. Welcome to Around the Water Cooler presented by Footy Live. And with me to sort through the shifting sands and wobbly form lines is Footy Live's finest analyst and uh, maybe you know a proud Hawks fan, Nikki G. How was your week off first and foremost? And uh, how do you feel leading the Hawks game on Sunday?
1: Yeah, not too bad. I think proud is uh, I mean proud of the second half. I guess that's a correct um way to say it. Definitely not proud of the first half. They let their colors down a bit, but um still still walked out of Marvel Stadium quite happy with uh with the effort by not throwing in the towel. So, I mean, can't really ask for
0: much more than that for a rebuilding side. There you go. And yes, you are a rebuilding side, but you get to play with that dash and dare that like, only rebuilding sides can. There's no you know, just try and score a lot of points. If we get scored in the turnover, it doesn't really matter. Not our season anyway. We're not finishing last. We're not going to finish in the top eight. So uh, it is what it is. Let's just have some fun and develop some kids. And that's exactly what the Hawks are doing. But that's not yeah. the big news story, Nico. You've got the big news story for us. Uh, what took the headlines away this week, in your opinion?
1: Uh, for me, it has to be Collingwood, and I know they were expected to beat Port Adelaide, but 10 wins in a row, I, th- I think that's just been the story of the season so far. Um, I don't even think Melbourne ended up winning 10 wins in a row early in the year when they were um, in their best form. So Collingwood to be you know the most informed team in the competition based on the win- wins and losses, I-, I think that has caught everyone off guard, Gordo and um, yeah, I think that it, it's fair to say, you know, they should start to, I mean, they deserve some respect now um, next to their name because, uh, I mean, it's it's no, um, I guess it, it, they have overachieved in a sense. I don't want to say they have overachieved because that's obviously underestimating their um, achievements so far, but um yeah, to to win ten wins in a row, doesn't matter who it's against, um, they still have to get the job done and they have done it. So for me, uh the Pies, um, they're the biggest story of this round, they're the biggest story of the year, they're third on the ladder. And they play Melbourne this week, a team they beat uh not so long ago, and if they do get one over the D's again, um they'll be second on the ladder with two games left. And They have to be considered for the premiership, in
0: my opinion. So that was my major question for you, Nick, was uh, can they get to a prelim final this year? Because, as you said, 10 wins on the trot, arguably the hot form side in the competition. But to be frank, I still don't trust it. They've won a record number of games by both under 6 and 12 points this year. We've talked a lot about the uh, the infamous Hawthorne side of 2018 that got into the top four and went out in straight sets. Mm -hmm. Does it does it look and feel lucky or is it just, you know, a side that knows mm. how to win and is just maximising on the talent available? Because, you know, whilst they're not, uh, you know, missing some gun players, they've they've definitely got, you know, A-graders, they've definitely got up-and-comers, they've definitely got the rising star in Nick Dacos. Mm. But it's not like they're a star-stacked team. They're not as, you yeah. know, talent-depth as Melbourne, as Brisbane, as even Sydney potentially, yeah. but... Are they going to win at least one final this year, do you think?
1: Well, like I said, there there certainly is an element of they've overachieved. Uh, There's certainly an element of luck in the way they've won most of their games. Um, But, yeah, I I do think they can win a final. Um, Especially, you know, they they will play at least one final at the MCG, you'd think now. Um, Yeah, I mean, if they they finish in the top four, they'll probably play either Melbourne or Geelong um, at the MCG. If they finish just outside the top four, they'll get a home final or in the semifinal, you know, if they lose that first one. So I don't think any team will want to play them because, um, you know, I, I still put them in that category of a rebuilding side. Like you said, there's not many stars. So they'll enter this final series probably with the least pressure um, more than any other team in, in the, that will make finals. I think there is an element of pressure on every single club, barring maybe Fremantle. Um, but I still think Collingwood. They obviously weren't expected to make finals. They're gonna just their September footy is just gonna be free-flowing attacking, and they're gonna have the crowd on their side in more games than not. Um, probably every game except for maybe Carlton and Richmond. It might be more 50-50, but. Um, Yeah, I I think they can certainly win a final and potentially even
0: make the grand final, Gordo. There we go, the big, bold claims. Speaking of big, bold clubs, your good news comes from one of the other big, old, firm clubs, uh, Richmond and their remarkable comeback against the Lions at the G yesterday afternoon. What did you make of that game, mate?
1: Yeah, yeah. Lucky Jimmy's not on this podcast because he'd be frothing uh, this topic because, uh, yeah, it's not often I talk about the Tigers. And I have to say, Noah Cumberland, what an absolute performance, Gordo. Five goals in just his fifth game of footy. Um, it is his third year in the system. He was the 43rd pick of the 2019 draft, um, but he he was the hero for the Tigers on the weekend. And, especially in that uh, first half when Richmond were just blown away by the lines. I think Cumberland was the, was the one player uh, for the Tigers who could probably hold their head up high. And then in the third quarter, early in the third quarter, he got that dribble goal uh, straight after the break um, to begin the fight back. And then he produced another timely goal early in the fourth quarter to get his fifth. And, Um, Yeah, I think it's fair to say without his five goal effort, uh, Richmond don't win that game on the weekends and Richmond's season probably would have been over as well um, if they lost that one. So um, they can thank the the fifth gamer for, for those
0: four points. Yes, and he's uh, uh, hoping that the Richmond uh, forum members on Big Footy and uh, you know the punt <laughs> road end didn't uh, you know bash him too hard on social media the week before for playing on after the uh, the siren, but um, but yeah, a lot of hot takes come from this game from the Richmond point of view. Yeah. I've heard uh, you know such esteemed uh, journalists as David King say no one can stop Shy Bolton. Uh, is he indeed the best player in the competition, Nikki G?
1: For me, he's probably, alongside Toby Green, as the most watchable player in the competition. Um, yeah, he's he's an outright star. I honestly don't have anything bad to say about him. The the way he can impact the scoreboard and yet still get um, such a high involvement in games through possessions, he's probably the best player in the competition at doing that at the moment. I mean, every time he, even though he kicked uh, two goals five, he wasn't that accurate this week. Um, yeah, the ability to still get those opportunities. I I'd, I'd definitely have him as um, uh, probably in the top 10 best plays in the competition right now. Maybe even higher up. That's just going off, off, off the top of my head. But um, yeah, he's an absolute superstar.
0: And uh, on the other side of the coin there, Tom Lynch Many is saying now that he's clearly the, uh, the future of Richmond's forward line and uh, you know, the, the best key, key forward in the in the competition as well. We all have very short memories. I won't make you answer that hot take because uh, I don't think Tom Lynch is quite there yet, but uh, he's definitely in contention as uh, all key forwards are. But my big question is everyone is now saying we should be scared of Richmond in September. So my first question would be, do they even make it to September? Because it was only seven days ago that they drew against Fremantle in a game that they you know probably should have won. And now they have to face uh, Port Adelaide at the Adelaide Oval, Hawthorne and Essendon at the MCG. And all three of those teams are not easy beats. If we're saying that Collingwood is the third best team in the competition at the moment, then Port Adelaide are definitely, you know, capable of taking on teams, especially at home. Your mob, Hawthorne, play, you know, absolute no-risk, all-risk football, super high-risk football. But that means they can be scored heavily. And uh, Richmond can be scored heavily against. I think the defence currently this year is ranked twelfth, which is very unRichmond-like, and hence why they're on the fringe of the eight. And Essendon at the MCG in the last week of the year—you know—as much as I don't really buy into the whole like club spirituality thing, I think you know it wouldn't be that hard for the Essendon boys to get up and make sure that one of the old old rivals doesn't make it into the eight. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, will Richmond make the eight? And if they do, should teams be scared of them?
1: It's funny that people do uh, are saying that now that um, you know that you should be scared of Richmond in finals because at halftime in that uh, game against Brisbane yesterday, um, yeah, I don't think anyone would have been saying uh, making that statement that we should be scared of the Tigers because yeah, I reckon a lot of people wrote wrote them off at halftime, including myself. I was thinking, what that what the hell's going on here? Richmond are cooked, and yes, they fought back, and yes, they won, but. I think there's still so much to prove and uh, look, will they make the eighth? They probably, they probably do. Um, I, I think they've got the easiest run on paper um, except for maybe that port game in Adelaide. Um, but if you look at St. Kilda and 8th they've still got to play Geelong at Cadenia. They've got the Lions and then they've got the Swans. That, that's quite tough. Um and then the Bulldogs, maybe the Bulldogs have a, a slightly easier run. They do have to play Fremantle still, but GWS and Hawthorne. So I think I think the Tigers, in sitting in ninth at the moment, if they do win the games they're expected to win, which is maybe two out of the three, uh, they probably do make finals. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if they make finals. They can thank uh, that. Again, they can thank Cumberland for winning on the weekend. That probably puts them in the driver's seat. But I'm, I'm probably, I wouldn't be as scared to face Richmond um, this year as opposed to, you know, previous years, um, especially, you know, if that if that first half becomes a trend or, you know, that game against North Melbourne a few weeks ago, there's a lot of vulnerability still in that Richmond side. And I think Richmond supporters would agree with that. Um, yeah, there's still a lot to work on, but. Um, I guess you have to be in it to win it. So um, first step would be making finals and see where they go from there. But, yeah, this this week against Port Adelaide is is a big week. Um, if they
0: win that, I reckon you can just about pencil them in for finals. And I must say, I was one of those Richmond fans that definitely did jump the gun early at halftime. I sent a couple of texts off to some other uh, sad Richmond fans saying, all right, well, I'll, let's all make, make sure we get down around 23 to farewell dimmer. Once he retires as a Richmond coach, I wasn't calling for his sacking. I was calling for his very <laughs> dignified retirement as a, uh, you know, an esteemed hero of our club. Uh, but uh, maybe he can stay on for a couple more years now. I, I don't know. Let's see how, <laughs> let's see how we play on, on the weekend, the last three weeks of the year. Half uh, is speaking, a long time in footy. <laughs> oh, in this year's season, it's a quarter. It's a couple of bounces. It's, you know, yeah. everything's really long. Uh, speaking of long, Brisbane's uh, tumultuous time at the G is very long. Oh. It, is it just that? Is it just the G factor? Is it that their they, the defensive system is broken? Or was it just plain injuries that, you know, saw them cough up a six goal lead uh, deep into this match? We'll be back after a quick break.
1: I wouldn't be using injuries as an excuse. There was no excuse for what happened. I mean, like you said, seven goals um, over a team that you, you know, I mean, they were all over Richmond in the first half and uh, you have to put it down to their structure, their defensive structure. When Richmond got a run on, they just had no answer for them. Um, and yeah, it's become a, a really, um, like it's become a trend that they obviously don't want to have at the MCG. Um, It's been a long time since they've won there. And obviously, to win a premiership, you have to win big games at the MCG. You've got to be able to knock off the teams like Richmond and Collingwood and, um, yeah, Carlton, Geelong, so Melbourne, of course. Um, So, yeah, uh, I'm putting it down to their defensive structure. I think it was Mel Michael who came out today or yesterday and said... um, yeah, they've got no defensive structure at all and defence wins premierships. And, yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Defence wins premierships. You need to have a defence. And outside of Harris Andrews, it just looks like there's not much there. And, um, yeah, if you get on top of Brisbane in the midfield, I mean, you've just about won half the battle. So, yeah, I I think they're still... They're they're in an ordinary position at the moment, the Lions. Um, I don't think I don't think they can bounce back and win the premiership from here. I know we just said you know a half's a long time in football and a week's even longer, but um, I just can't see them bouncing back from this because the I mean we've seen so many vulnerabilities from them this season and um, yeah they're sitting fifth now and they still need to play Carlton and Melbourne and. Two of their last three games, and even St Kilda um, at Marvel Stadium, uh, I wouldn't even pencil that in as a win at the moment for the Lions. So um, it's not looking good. Their top four chances, and yeah, I, I think um, yeah they might be in a bit of strife. Yes,
0: and again, as you mentioned, it's yeah not so much the fact that they. They can't get down done at the G. I actually think it is that defensive integrity because you look at the results in finals from the last previous years and once they get matched up against like-v-like teams, they are relatively easy to score against. Yes, they've got a lot of scoring power. Yes, they look great when they've got possession of the football. But as you said, when the Mm -hmm. game gets tight, when the midfield contest gets evened out to a 50-50 prospect as it does in most finals, when contested possessions Mm -hmm. get evened out, all of a sudden their system doesn't seem to stack up and uh, it hasn't won them a big final... In the last couple of years, and it probably won't win them a big funnel this year either. Yeah. So whilst we're talking of the bad news, let's get into controversy corner. And you left this one very open, opaque, and mystique of mine with a fantastic Cane Corns-esque headline. The four rules that need a massive overhaul in the offseason. Talk me through it, Nikki Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, it's fair to say I wasn't happy watching the footy this weekend, Gordo. And, you know, I look, I come on this podcast a lot. I have over the last few years criticized umpires, but I'm not going to criticize umpires here. I'm going to criticize the rules. And, yes, there are four four priority rules that I've outlined that do need an overhaul in the off season. And I'm going to start with the top of the priority list, and that is the holding the ball rule because I don't even know what it is anymore. I don't even know what constitutes a holding the ball. And it, to me, it should be one of the most simple rules in the game. You know, when you have the ball um, and you get caught in a tackle and you're not able to dispose of the ball correctly, or if you hold on to it, that's holding the ball in my book, especially when you've had prior opportunity. And there's, there's been so many moments this year, and there's one that I highlighted on the weekend in the hawthorne St Kilda game that went unrewarded. Um, I think it was it was uh, Sam Butler who uh, tackled a St Kilda player, and um, yeah, it went unrewarded. He Clean dropped the ball after trying to fend off, and like that is just a, it's it's a trademark holding the ball, and it should be an easy decision to make, and. I'm not saying that the, like, it was an umpire's error. Maybe he didn't have the right view of it. But to me, this, this rule, um, it now just has too many you know, little aspects about it. You know, oh, How many seconds has, has he been holding onto the ball for? Um, did he dispose of it correctly? Um, did he have intent to um, dispose of it? They should just scrap all that, return to basics, simplify the rule, you get caught in a tackle, holding the ball, it's holding the ball. Um, so that's top of my priority list that they need a fix. It's happened so many times this season. The other three uh protected, protected zone 50-metre uh, penalties. I think they're just ridiculously harsh. We've seen so many this year that have been paid um, where, you know, a player enters the zone without even – without the – player with with the ball even noticing he was even there and you know you cop a 50 meter penalty for it so that needs to be reviewed um the high contact that's obviously been a a topic of debate over the last few weeks with Ginevan even though they supposedly fixed it a couple of weeks ago um I still don't see any consistency with it because Ginevan I still think cops the rough end of the stick because of his name and his identity uh when it comes to that rule um and in other games, you know, we, we still see it paid when players drop their knees and stuff. And, look, whether you drop your knees and you, you, you get caught too high, I don't care whether it's a free kick or not. I just want it to be consistent across all games. Um, so, yeah, that, that was the third one. And the fourth one, again, another one I've mentioned on this podcast before is the advantage rule. I just don't understand how an umpire can blow the whistle uh, to stop play when there's a free kick. And then, you know, all players around the ball stop. And then one player picks up the ball and thinks, oh, you know, everyone's stopped. I can keep running into an open goal. And it happens, I think, every single week. There's not one game where I watch where it doesn't happen. And why are we giving players... um, ability to adjudicate you know the rules of the game uh, when they want it it, there's an umpire there for a reason and when you blow the whistle to stop play that should mean to stop play and it restarts when the whistle uh gets blown again so uh an easy fix for that would just be not to blow the whistle when there's an advantage if there's a clear advantage and the play's flowing just yell out advantage it's a simple fix for me so gordo there i've rambled on enough they're my four rules that need a massive overhaul in the off season,
0: there we go. And to be honest, I I really hope that Brad Scott rings you up and gets it sorted because you sound like the man for the job. Everyone keeps telling us, you know, footies for the fans. Give the footy back to the fans. You know, it's all about it's all about the supporters. Give the supporters what they want. Well, you've heard it here first, and uh, yeah. tens of thousands of listeners have heard it here as well. Brad Scott, pick up the phone, get on the contact with Nikki G, and sort I'll it out for it next it year. In. Sending it in. in. Yeah. You can funnel the clips on footy live to round out whilst you've warmed up, you're psyched up, you're pumped up real deal or fake news, all the rest of the prime talking points from the week, your first and prompt reactions. And uh, firstly, interim coaches can't speak home truths. This comes out after Mark uh, McVay's brutal assessment of the giants insipid performance where he said his players all but eight and he named the eighth who he did perform had checked out. Is uh, that okay from the interim coach? Uh,
1: Yeah, I I think so. I I think if you're a GWS supporter, you would want transparency. You would want um, players to be held accountable. Um, And I think if you're one of those players as well and you're being called out, I mean, it, it might not sound good, but I think it it's extra motivation to lift your game. Um, so I, I don't I don't mind that at all. And yeah, he, I think he's in every right to um, yeah to make those calls. You know, he's been assistant coach there for a long time, and now he's got the uh, responsibility of head coach for the time being. So you know, it's it's his way, and um, I'm sure he's chatted to the players privately and. Um, yeah, I think, you know, if he feels the need to, to call them out and and they deserve to be called out as well, I think the GWS have been probably the biggest disappointment uh, of the 2022 season. So yeah, if he feels the need to do it, then so be it. And the the players should just, you know, cop it on the chin and and learn from it.
0: I found it very interesting as well, some of the uh, media saying, like, he can't say that if he's, like, only interim coach. And I found that surprising because, like, it's not like he hasn't been in the club for the last three years, like he has been part of Leon Cameron's assistant coaching panel, he's a senior member of the club. Mm. He's currently the interim head coach. I think he's allowed to say it. I think they would respect it. And by all accounts, it went down as well as it could. I don't think anyone was happy about it, but um, I think everyone respected that opinion, that take, and things seem okay in the Giants' land. Although, with all their salary cap issues, I think we'll be watching this space come trade period and becoming uh, the draft, and there'll be lots of picks, lots of draw, lots of uh, trading and going around the for the Giants, because uh, they've got some money issues to sort mm-hmm. through. Opposite side of the coin, do the Saints deserve more respect? Brett Ratten was disgusted at the media because, of course, Brett Ratten was disgusted at the media because that's what he does best. And he said that, you know, despite the fact that the Saints didn't play their best, we should celebrate the little things in life, like a St Kilda win against Hawthorne by 12 points.
1: I mean, I think he's obviously trying to um, take the pressure off his team a little bit. Um, they've been under the microscope, but I mean, you can't, you can't blame journalists and the media for, um, for yeah, criticising St. Kilda with the way they've played. I think um, their expectations, they should be you know, locked in finals. They should be competing for top four with the way their list is uh, set at the moment. And right now they're sitting outside the top eight. And they went up against a team that they, you know, should have spanked. They did spank it earlier in the season by 69 points, I think it was. Um, and they pretty much threw in the towel at three-quarter time. So, um, yeah, I mean, Brett Radden, I think it's, it's, it's obviously good to um, get the backing of your coach and to say, you know, you deserve respect, well-fought win, and et cetera. But... Um all in all, I think, we it's we just expect more from St Kilda at the moment. And um, that pressure is always going to be there until they deliver. And if it doesn't come, then,
0: um, yeah, Ratton should expect the pile on. Well said. And uh, last one, more positive news. Well, maybe not unless you're a Geelong fan, but uh, everyone's psyched because not only are Geelong winning, not only are Geelong on top of the ladder, but apparently... Is Dangerfield back to his very best, finally primed for finals.
1: It looks like he's put together probably his best game of the season, and it's been a long time coming because obviously he's had the injuries this season, and um, when he has played, he um, hasn't really um, impacted the game as much as what he would have liked or Chris Scott. So, um, yeah, besides that round one performance, I think, against Essendon where he had 31 disposals, This was probably his next uh, best game, impact-wise. He had the 26 touches, um, he kicked a goal, and, yeah, he was instrumental in the win and in the fight back um, when Geelong seemed to be struggling in that uh, first half. And, um, yeah, obviously they just rampaged home, and, yeah, he was at the centre of it. So if Geelong want to win a premiership, if they want to, Turn around this little September hoodoo, if that's what you want to call it. Um, They want to turn that around, then they they need their uh, their leaders and um, I guess their talisman, if you will, uh, to lead the way. And Dangerfield is exactly that play for Geelong. And you know when he's up and going, he's obviously you know one of the best players in the game. So yeah, it's good to see from a Geelong perspective and. Um, yeah, if, if he's back in best form and if he's starting to peak um, right now, then that is a very scary prospect,
0: and the Cats will be hard to beat. And that all feels like deja vu. We're coming into you know round 21. The Cats are on mm-hmm. top of the ladder. They are going to have some, you know, at least some home games, probably at the MCG, but maybe one at cadinia uh, Park, depending on who they get in the first couple of weeks. And uh, it also feels like Deja Vu is the Cats probably not getting it done. But will this be the year they turn it around? Seven weeks' Mm. time, we'll know. Speaking of Deja Vu, each week Dario comes as our number one super fan with his Dario's Digest. And this week it is the question on everyone's lips. Welcome to another episode of Dario's Digest, giving you something to digest every single week. Looking at all the teams run home,
1: are Carlton a big chance to miss the top eight? Have a good week, guys.
0: So there you have it. Nicky G, Will Carlton miss the eight. So a tough run home for them. They have the Lions at the Gabba, Melbourne at the G, and then round 23. And I don't care who you barrack for. If you can find a ticket to round 23, Carlton versus Collingwood, then you should do yourself a favor and get on down to the MCG because this is going to be probably the game that decides the Blues' finals hopes. And – or maybe don't, maybe stay away, because that could be a chaos uh, in the stands game, especially out in the outer, up in the bleeds. But uh, oh, yes. the question first, will Carlton miss the eight?
1: Short answer, oh, no. I, I can't see it happening, Gordo. They, they've been locked in there all season, um, and they've been one of the most exciting teams to watch. Um even though the odds are against them right now. And I just I don't understand how they lost to Adelaide on the weekend. How can you let a team that was placed, you know, third last in the ladder, beat you in contested ball and inside 50s? How can you make them look hungrier than you when finals is on the line? Um, that was a massive wake-up call for Carlton. And I am back in the Blues in to uh, respond. I don't know if that response will come this week or the week after or the week after that. But I think that they just need to win one of the last three games to scrape in finals. And surely, surely they can do that. Um, And, yeah, like you said, that last round will be the hottest ticket in town if it does come to that.
0: Well, it it all depends on this week, I reckon, because I think Melbourne's come back into form. So I'm saying that Melbourne win that game against Carlton if Melbourne are a, a proper top two premiership, you know, Retention type team, so then it's all about this week because if they if they lose to the Gabba, then lose to Melbourne, they're not beating Collingwood. It, the The scriptures are against them this year if that's the case. If they if the Blues leave it to round twenty three, yeah. it becomes the very most Carltony thing that Carlton could do, and that is to lose to the Pies in the last in the last week of the year.
1: It, it because, will be oh, because this is yeah
0: this 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 Collingwood team has a vibe, you know. Yeah. Ten wins in a row, you know, eight by less than eight points, whatever it is. There's a vibe going on, yeah. and that vibe will be capped off by beating Carl- Carlton in the last week of the year. It will be, it will be anarchy. It will be chaos. So it's yeah. all about this week for the Blues. Get I totally early. agree. I totally agree. Get the
1: pressure off your shoulders. Get the monkey off the back. Uh, get it done before the last week of the season. It would be the worst thing possible if they do take it to the last week. Um, and yeah, Collingwood will be licking their lips at that prospect as well. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. they got to get it done early. Um, but I'm backing them in to do it. So, yeah, it's going to be big. It'll be an absolute disaster if they miss the 8-Gordo. I reckon there'll be riots in the city, in Ligon Street. It will be bad. So, um, and the rival fans, the Collingwood fans won't forget it either. So, for Carlton's sake, I hope they do it.
0: <laughs> and unfortunately for them, they're only two and four against top eight sides this year. So statistically speaking, they're only going to win one of these three games. And so again, it just has to be the Lions. If they leave it late, it becomes one of those folklore things. It becomes a moment in our AFL history, just like this was round 20. That's the end of the uh, Around the Water Cooler chat, the weekend review, the Monday review panel. Whatever you want to call it, we have done it from Free Live. This has been myself and Nikki G, and we'll be back on Thursday to preview another delicious run into the finals with all the rounds for one auction. See you then.